0: And thank you, Brother Joshua, Brother Taylor, for leading our hymns this morning. And I ask that you pray for me in the time that I stand before you. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 14. Apostle Paul writes, "Of These things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit." but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as does the canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knows them that are His. It's been a few months since we've looked into 2 Timothy. Um, i preached several messages this year uh, from the first and second chapter. And glad to be be back in it this morning. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. Um, Maybe because Paul is writing to a minister to encourage him um, you know not to be ashamed of the gospel to encourage him to be strong in the lord he's he's encouraging him and admonishing him that you're going to have to work hard uh, in the ministry and you know i've mentioned this several times this year as we've looked at some of these messages that the ministry uh, is just kind of a microcosm of what the christian life is of discipleship um first and second timothy and titus these are these are letters that were written to ministers of the gospel Um, but they're good for everyone right they're good to show us how we should live and to encourage all of us as we try to follow the lord jesus and um brother michael goen's book on the pastoral epistles which by the way lord willing he'll be here next saturday at four o'clock um for a service, and another one that night at 7, and then back on Sunday at 10.30. So if you don't get anything else from this message, be here next week, okay? <laughs> um, but he, he, he wrote um, a commentary on these three epistles, and of, of these verses, he said there were four concepts in here that are key to ministry, uh, the primacy of truth, the peril of error, the preeminence of grace, and the priority of holiness. These are some of uh, th- this is just some of the best scripture that you can you can read as you go through uh, this this letter to Timothy. And so Paul, you know he had just he had just finished the statement where he's talking about the the he he asked Timothy, and as you're trying to be a disciple, or as this man's trying to be a, a minister, he said you've got to remember that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead according to my gospel. That's the gospel, isn't it? That our King, our Savior, the one who died for our sins, was risen again according to the gospel. If Jesus Christ wasn't who he said... He was. If he wasn't successful on our behalf, he would have never been raised again from the dead. But it is, it is the Christian hope that the one who represented us conquered death and rose again. And he's reminding him that that when you suffer trouble, and that Paul says, "By myself, I was enduring all kinds of things." He was shipwrecked. He was without food. He was beaten. Uh, he was in prison. He said, "But I endure all these things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory." He's he, he knew that, that the, the, the eternal glory that is, that is going to be given to Christ's elect, to his chosen, is something that they cannot miss out on. But he says, I'm enduring the hardships of life so that those that I love, my, uh, my family in, in God, can enjoy the benefits of the salvation that comes with knowing who Jesus is and following Jesus. Do we see that this morning? And he's reminding him of this. And then he says this, it's a faithful saying... For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. That's a scary verse, isn't it? Um, and we know that God will never leave us or forsake us. But, you know, you can't act in such a way that he will withdraw his protection from you. And it's for you, know, it's for your good, too, <laughs> um, The the chastisement of the Lord is for your good. God is, That's the one thing you can say about God. He is on your side. (laughs) But you know, sometimes what God may allow to happen in your life or what God may cause to happen in your life, you may not see it as good at the time, right? Um, But God will do that for your good. And he says this in verse 13, If we believe not, yet he abides faithful, He cannot deny himself. And so in verse 14, he says, of these things, put them in remembrance. He says, I want you to suggest to, now Timothy was probably, he was in Ephesus, suggest to those that are hearing your preaching, your teaching, your words, they need to remember these things. Put them in charge to remember these truths. And and he says this quietly, you should, in, in, daily ministering just always be telling them you need to remember these things but then he says charging them now when he says to put them in remembrance that's kind of a a quiet if you if you looked up the the actual words that were translated uh, to give them to give us of these things put them in remembrance it's a it's to quietly suggest but then he says you need to charge them with something now when you see the word charge that means to make a big deal out of something right so, so the ministers to, 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 to quietly and faithfully remind um, the congregation and those around us, and we can remind our family and our church members of these great truths about the God who, who will never leave us and never forsake us and will always be faithful. But he says you need to charge them as well. You need to protest to make a big deal about this. He says charging them. That is the people that he's, uh, that, that, that he's around, charging them before the Lord. <laughs> Paul's reminding Timothy here that, that we, we, we live our ministries, we conduct ourselves, we, we live as disciples in the presence of the Lord. Do you ever think about that? Um, you know, you may get away with things that your friends and families don't know, but the Lord sees everything. <laughs> That's a sobering thought, isn't it? And he says, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words. You know what that, that, that really means? It means to, to fight or to wrangle or to strive about trivial matters <laughs> or trivial words. Um, I think we see that played out in our life. Uh, if you've ever been on, you know, if you're a sports fan, I'm sure you've been on message boards. <laughs> um, If you've got social media, you've probably seen it. Somebody gives their opinion and then somebody feels like they need to give their opinion and they need to give their opinion. And what happens? People start arguing over trivial things that do not matter. Do y'all ever ever worry about things that do not matter? (laughs) Um, Trivial, worthless, that's what that word means, worthless words or matters. And and I, I had the thought this week as I was reading through this scripture, how many... Of the, of the anxieties or the, uh, the stressors in my life are over things that really don't matter. You know, there are big things that are going to happen to you in life that are going to play on your emotions, that are going to uh, cause you stress, cause you anxiety, and we need to cast those things on the Lord. We need to cast all our cares on the Lord, right? But there's probably some cares we should just get rid of. <laughs> we can't, if, if, if there's something you can't do anything about, why are you going to spend a lot of time worrying about it? Do y'all agree with that today? If there's something I can't control, why am I going to worry about those things? Now, have y'all seen that? I, I didn't like them for a long time. I'm starting to like them. The, the Fansville commercials from Dr. Pepper. <laughs> uh, I'm going to preach on Dr. Pepper today, okay? Um, there, there's one of them, and there's a guy, and he's skipping rocks down by, uh, by the creek, and four or five fans come to him, and they say, Why aren't you more upset about our team losing? <laughs> And he says, it's just a bunch of kids playing a game. And they're like, that's the problem. <laughs> you need to be mad about this, right? I'm probably messing up that commercial. But look, if, there are things, if, if, if ball games and, and um, you, you know, things like that just stress you out and get you upset, then you're, you are striving about things that really don't matter. <laughs> it's okay to have fun with that. Um, look, I, I'm... Um, you know, as a preacher, I've sometimes, especially in Alabama, I sometimes wonder if it's to my advantage or disadvantage. But I think we all, do we all love each other in this church? I'm an Alabama fan. Some of y'all aren't. Some of y'all are I remember when they lost to Alabama, when Alabama lost to LSU in 2019. That's when I thought, I, you have a problem, Josh, because on Sunday morning, I wasn't studying my Bible. I was looking at all the possibilities of what could happen to see if Alabama would make it back in the championship picture. <laughs> That's the day I realized, you've got a problem, Josh. <laughs> it was Sunday morning. My mind wasn't focused on where it needed to be. Now, I don't know. Maybe you both teams won yesterday, right? So we were probably good this morning. We were focused on where we needed to be. Um, and that's a, funny, that's a funny thing to think about or a funny example. But how many of the things that we worry about on a day-to-day basis really have, they will have no impact on our life in the, in the grand scheme of things? A lot of them. A lot of them. Um, and so, and, and, and Paul is saying here, you need to make a big deal out of this and charge them before the Lord that they don't strive about words or teachings to no profit. These are things, now, now Paul's not just talking about football games or political things. He's talking about teachings that, that, that have no profit to the child of God. And you know there's a lot of that out there. Not just in the church, but on uh, through the media, through uh, through the schools, whatever it is. There's a lot of words or teachings out there that have no profit to the child of God, other than this. This is the, this is the impact that they will have upon you, to the subverting of the hearers. That is those that are listening. He says the only profit or the only usefulness to some of the messages out there in the world is that they will destroy the people that 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 listen to them, the people that um, pay attention to them and, and begin to follow those things. And see, I think one of the things that Paul's trying to get through here is what we think about really matters, doesn't it? That's, um, a lot of your actions start in the head, don't they? You start thinking about something, and then you start developing a plan how you're going to do it. And then eventually you try to execute that plan, right? That's the same with good and bad. It A lot of it starts here in the mind. There's a battle going on for your mind. Satan See, Satan knows he's defeated. <laughs> you know, the things that, that Paul is saying here that, that, that the child of God needs to remember, that God is faithful, he can't deny himself, he will ultimately uh, deliver his children. Satan knows that better than you do. I believe that. <laughs> but he's out for your mind. And so he's saying them, you need to them, you need to charge them that they don't strive about these things because they will subvert those that hear those things. They will, they will overthrow or destroy the people that pay attention to these things. But here's what you need to do, child of God. Here's what you need to do, Timothy. He says study. Listen to verse 15. In opposition to these things that you're to give no time to, he says, he says to study, and to study is to exert yourself, to give great diligence to something. Um, to, to, and it's with your mind again, right? To think about, to, to meditate upon. And he says, study to show or to present yourself approved unto God. <laughs> I like that. I like the, the fact that, um, I, 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 this, is, this is a comforting fact to me that I can live my, my life in such a way that I really, I think about this as a minister, as a dad, as whatever it may be, I can live my life in such a way that I shouldn't be worried about seeking your approval. I hope you all approve of me. I want to be a good pastor to you, a good friend to you, a good brother in Christ to you. Um, But, you know, ultimately we should seek God's approval, not man's approval, right? You go around trying to seek man's approval, that'll wear you out (laughs) because it's ever-changing, um, Paul, Paul said, do I seek to please God or men? This is in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. He says, if I seek to please man, then I can't be a servant of God. <laughs> Think about that. He said, I can't do it. Um, we, we need to be... I, I believe the church would be stronger, families would be stronger, people would be stronger if they woke up every day with that mindset that I'm going to exert myself. I'm going to give it all I have to present myself approved unto God you think marriages would be stronger if we what what if if we woke up every morning saying I want to I want to act in such a way that God would approve of the things I do you think you'd be a better employee if you woke up every morning not thinking how can I please my boss or how can I please my shareholders but what if you woke up thinking how can I please my God I bet you'd be a better employee don't you You'd be a better son or daughter or church member if you woke up thinking, how can I give it all I have to be approved unto God? So Paul says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman. That is is one who toils or labors. Um, You know, he talked about being a a soldier and a a farmer and an athlete earlier in chapter 2. And he's saying, if you're going to study, if you're going to exert yourself in, in, the, in the mind exercise of learning about God, which, by the way, God approves of. That's, that's accepting and pleasing unto God. When you think about him and study upon his word, he says, you're going to be a workman. <laughs> you're exerting yourself. Solomon said that much study is weariness to the bones. It's, it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing to take time out of your day, time out of your week, to meditate upon the things of God, is it? There's so many things that are, that are, that are, that are vying for your attention. And Paul says you're going to, if you want to be approved of God, you need to take the time to labor in the Word of God. And yes, that's number one, that's to the minister of the Word. Um, now, there are some people in this church that, that, that spend a lot of time in their Bible, and that is very good, and I approve of that, and God approves of that. Um, but the minister, first and foremost, should be spending, you, you should expect that the minister is spending a lot of time in the Word of God, right? And you probably shouldn't expect uh, that those who are not called to the ministry are spending as much time. But we should be spending some time, right? Does that make sense today? We need to be spending some time studying, not not only for yourself, but because that pleases God. Do you all see that? That's God is... Ex- he accepts that. You say, what can I do to please the God that's done so much for me? He likes you to take time to learn about him and his word. And so Paul says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. <laughs> um, you know, especially in the, in the ministry, there are times that you maybe you're not studying like you should. And I can tell you um, that it is, there, there is a, Brother McNeil could probably, Brother McNeil's probably never done this. He's probably never not studied enough. <laughs> but there's been times where I've done it myself where you, you just didn't put in the effort that you should have put in beforehand. You know, most things require if most most or all good things require a lot of effort on in the beginning to make them go smoothly, right? Brother Sam Bryant, I I quote him a lot, but he told me, and he's my mentor, like a conference. Do y'all like church conferences? Let's raise our hand if we like church conferences. (laughs) They're necessary, but I always think about that song, How Tedious and Tasteless the Hours, (laughs) When Jesus No Longer I See. (laughs) But you got to have the business of the church, right? But you know, a good conference starts weeks before the conference. (laughs) If you got something serious, you got to handle right. That's the true. That's that's true with a a sermon. A good sermon. I don't. I don't. If I've ever preached a good sermon, I didn't wake up on Sunday and just. Now that's happened before. Don't get me wrong. The Lord can bless you in such a way, but you got to put in work in on the on the front end, right? A good marriage is the same way. You think you're just going to have a good marriage just by on a whim no you've got to put in the work right children you have to put in the work so that you're not ashamed you have no reason or or a cause to be ashamed of what you're doing and then he says to the minister of god rightly dividing that is correctly handling the word of truth That's, that's the number one job of the minister is to rightly divide the word of truth so that he can then give it out to the, to the congregation, to the church, to the world. And, and that's something that we can all be doing is studying to rightly divide the word of truth. That word literally means to cut straight. I want you to notice when it talks when, it's, when, when it says here it's the word of truth, everything in this Bible is true. Do we agree with that? That's what this church believes, has always believed. Everything in this Bible is true, whether we understand it or not, right? Um, whatever it is, whatever, whatever, you know, there's the saying that the, the Bible says it and that settles it, right? Whatever's in the Bible, whatever is in Scripture, we believe by faith that it is true. So notice here that he's not saying that the minister or the or the disciple of Jesus needs to exert themselves to separate the truth from the error. Do you see that? There's no error in the Bible. But you need to correctly handle the scriptures in such a way that you, that you cut straight or that you, you properly dissect the truth that is there. See, the, the, if you don't do that, the Bible can become a very confusing book, right? There are topics in the Bible that may just at a glance seem to... Um, seem to be similar to one another and 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 they and they may seem to even be contradictory to one another many people have questioned um, the bible you know how could it say this here but this here and still be true well the problem is not with the bible if we don't understand it the problem's with us if there's something in the bible that i can't understand how this verse matches with this verse over here the problem's not with the scriptures or with god it's with me right uh, let's, take for, let's think of an example. Sonship versus discipleship. Y'all ever heard people say that? We are, we, are, we are children, when we say sonship, we are children of God by the grace of God alone, right? That's the only hope that I have of being a child of God is that through his grace, he chose me and adopted me and sent his spirit into my life uh, to, to regenerate me or to born me again. But when we talk about discipleship, uh, there's a lot of verses in there that talk about what you need to do to manifest yourself as a son of God or a child of God. And if you, get those, if you, if you mix those up, you'll be very confused, won't you? Well, over here it says it's all of grace, but over here it says I need to do this. Well, you've got to understand you've got to rightly divide the word of truth. You know, Sister Libby's not here today. If you've spent much time with her, uh, you know she likes to sew, right? <laughs> She loves to sew, and she makes burial gowns for premature babies. And I've seen them, and they're, they're pretty. But, you know, if she, if she didn't cut those to the right measurements, they wouldn't look very good, would they? They wouldn't fit right. It's the same thing with the Word of God. If we don't correctly divide that or dissect it, think about eternal salvation and temporal salvation. We talk about this a lot. There are verses in the Bible that talk all about what God has done for you in eternity, where you're going to spend the rest of your being. And it's all of God, right? But then there's verses like Peter would preach to um, those on on the day of Pentecost. He would say, save yourself from this untoward generation. Um, Paul would tell the Philippian church to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, you look at verses that say it's not by works or of works or by works of righteousness that we've done, but then you look at verses over here that say you need to do this to save yourself. How are you going to make sense out of those if you don't rightly divide the word of truth? You begin to see that there's a salvation in the Bible that's taught that's all of God. Then there's a salvation that we play a part in, right? A deliverance from this world or this system or the pitfalls of life. You know, there's, we talked about sanctification recently. That's another one. Justification. The Bible talks about you being justified by blood. Talks about being justified by grace. Talks about being justified by faith. Talks about being justified by works. If you can't rightly divide those subjects you're not going to understand what the Bible's talking about, right? And then, uh, listen, it, you're not just going to flip through the Bible and understand that. Um, to understand, for example, uh, the Bible talks about being justified by the blood of Christ. It talks about being justified by faith, and it talks about being justified by works. Well, to be justified by the blood of Christ, the best way I can explain it is think about a, a courtroom. Y'all have probably heard a lot of this before. You are justified in the the mind of God through the blood of Christ, right? That's your only hope for being justified, for being declared righteous, just as if you've never sinned. But you're justified by faith in your own conscience. Right When God gives you faith and you act upon that faith, if you've ever experienced, you know what I'm talking about. When you begin to see Jesus as your righteousness and believe it and hold it dear, there's a peace that comes over you, right? And you're justified in your own mind. The Bible talks about being justified by works. Um, And we can be justified in 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 the courtroom, if you will, of other people's opinions by the way we act. Some, have you ever seen someone do, do an act of kindness or, or give of themselves or show great love? And you say, that has got to be a child of God, right? Those are the way that we can, uh, we can understand justification. But you're not going to understand that by just looking through the Bible. You've got to study, right? That's what Paul is saying. You've got to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So what he's saying here is you need to seek the word of truth. But it's not enough just to seek the word of truth. In verse 16, he says you need to shun certain things. Maybe that could be the word of the world, the message of the world. He says, but, but shun, that is to avoid. If he's saying here, study and dig into the word of truth, he's saying here, but avoid other things. He says, avoid or keep clear of the profane. That is the irreverent. You know, that to be profane is to proceed uh, from, a, from a heart that has a, a, a lack of respect for sacred things. Do we see that in our society today? That there's a lack of respect for what should be sacred? He says, he says shun those messages. And vain babblings. Um, you know, once again, that's... that's empty discussion a babbler is someone who a babbler is really someone who tells secrets (laughs) you know someone who talks about things they shouldn't be talking about and so so Paul is telling Timothy that you need to teach those that you're around and you need yourself you need to avoid all those things you need to you need to not have anything to do with them because listen this is what will happen he says for they will increase they will advance unto more ungodliness see the, the the things that may be just a little ungodly let's say you let them into your life and it says they will advance unto more ungodliness and he, listen to verse 17 and their word that is the teaching of the profane and the vain he says their word will eat it will consume as doth a canker. Now that, that you could think of a cancer, but that the, literally that means a, a gangrene. It's a disease. It's a disease that overtakes your body, right? The inflammation gets so bad that unless, let's say it's in your arm, unless your arm is amputated, it will continue to spread and attack other parts of your body until it eats your bones away like a cancer. And so Paul is saying here that there are messages in the world that if you don't don't avoid them and keep clear of them, they will infect you in such a way that they will take over until it spreads and eats away at your very soul. Do y'all see that? See, when when we start talking about error, whether it's in the church, in our lives... And if, you're, and if you're a member of the church, you can't separate the church and your life because <laughs> you're supposed to give your life to the church because the church is the place where your king reigns, right? And, it, and if we start talking about error, vain words, destructive words, the thing about error is it is, it is never neutral nor idle. <laughs> what I mean by that is... is is, is it doesn't like to sit back and have no impact. Error, almost like a, like a virus, it, it wants to influence more and more people and spread further and further and further. You know, over the last two years, we've all become experts in viruses, right? <laughs> um, but it's kind of like that, you know, it's, it amazes me, and, and we've got people here that could speak much more intelligently than I could about it, but how a virus itself wants to live, so it'll mutate, become less impactful, but will spread further. The same thing is true with false teaching, whether that be in the church, whether that be false, a false worldview. Its desire is that it wants to spread. Um... And you you have to look no further than churches and society in America to see that playing out in real time. Um, I I wrote this down. It it was from Hassel's History. I've heard Brother Tim McCool quote this many times. We think about churches. It says, in early America, so think 1776, three out of four churchgoers believed in total depravity and predestination. Now, they didn't believe just like we did. But you can go back. You can go back to Baptist churches. That's an interesting, that's an interesting, if you want some homework today, go back to the old Baptist associations here in Alabama, just in Alabama alone, and, and, and look at their, if you can find them, maybe their articles of faith or their, their founding documents. And I think you'll be surprised how closely they resemble the ones that we still have here today. It's amazing. I reached out to, um, I probably shouldn't tell all this, but um, I reached out to a local church here that's a lot older than us, uh, kind of in central Alabama, and I said, and they had done a big article about them in the paper, right, they were 200 years old, this was a few years ago, and I said, that is awesome, congratulations. Would you mind sending me your original articles of faith? <laughs> and I pestered them a little bit and finally they said, we can't find them. <laughs> and and the pest I guess the skeptic in me thinks maybe they don't like what they said. <laughs> you ever thought about that? Um, if three out of four people in early America believed. Not only were they familiar with it, but if that's true, that they believed in total depravity and predestination. And I'm not saying they were all old Baptists or or believe exactly like we do, but they believed in those things. I bet you'd be hard pressed at a lot of churches today to find anybody that could explain to you total depravity or predestination. Do you see how falsehood gets in there and it spreads and grows? Um, Look at our society. you know, the, the, and there's a lot of good, been a lot of good teachers, and, and, and I'm not, when I say this, you, you risk people getting aggravated at you, but public education and the media have not been a friend to our society. Um, they have methodically and systematically tried to destroy the brains of the youth in America for 100 years, let's say. And they started slow, but now we are seeing, I believe personally, you are seeing the impact of generations who have been, who have been taught an, an atheistic worldview. Um, if, if, if you spend eight hours a day in a, in a building, where it is illegal to have God's presence there, right? I mean, you can't stop God's presence, but it's illegal to talk about it, right? It's illegal to promote it, at least. You can't tell me that doesn't have an impact on those children. I'm not saying you don't, look, I'm not telling you what you should do with your children, how you should school them, where you should send them, there are a lot of the stuff that you see on the internet about the crazy things that are going on in our school systems, I really believe this, are not happening in Birmingham, Alabama. A lot of it's clickbait, right, that's going on in California. Or, you know, first thing I'd do if I moved to California was move back. That's <laughs> the first <laughs> thing I'd do. <laughs> um, I I went to New York City with Carrie one time, and she can tell you this story if you want to hear it. It started raining, and there was people everywhere, and cars everywhere, and we finally got in this building to get, um, you know, we finally got in this building to get away from the storm. It was storming, and uh, she'd been wanting to go to New York. And um, I'd never been past Batesville, Arkansas. (laughs) That's as far as I'd ever been. And we got in this room, and, and I literally poured water out of my boot, and she said, "Do you hate me?" <laughs> and all I could think of was Hank Williams Jr. I'm stuck up here, and I've got Dixie on my mind." <laughs> <laughs> you know've you've, you've got to you've got to understand whether it's on the left or the right in America. they're both pushing an agenda, right? They're both trying to scare you and and I don't know if this has drifted into politics or whatever. If y'all don't want to call me back, don't call me back. <laughs> I'm not trying to please you. <laughs> I, like I've said before, I'll go back to my pew back there. <laughs> um, but it is something you need to know that we're seeing the impact of, of what's been pushed upon us for generations, and and it's the, the atheistic worldview is never going to be satisfied with just being accepted, it wants to dominate, right? We, we could go back to 2010, 2012, people who live an alternate lifestyle to what we would say is right, they would say things such as, you know, we need to have marriage so that we can visit our spouse in the hospital, and normal people think, well, that, that might make sense, right? Fast forward to 2022, if you don't accept it and promote it and celebrate it, we will cancel you. Do y'all see how it spreads very quickly? Let that into a church, let that into a family, and it will eat away at the very foundation of your institution. And so Paul is saying here, you need to avoid it altogether. Have nothing to do with it. For it will increase unto more and more ungodliness until it eats away at the very soul of yourself or the institution in which you're a part of or the country which you're a part of. And he says, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus. These are people who apparently Timothy was, was aware of, Paul was aware of, who were teaching heretical things. He says in verse 18, who concerning the truth Remember, the, we're to rightly divide the word of truth. He says these two men concerning the truth, what is true about the duties of God and man and religion, he says they have erred. They have deviated uh, from what is the truth. And they are saying or teaching that the resurrection is past already. You know, last week we talked about the resurrection. That's a... Y'all, y'all, we look forward, when loved ones die, when we think about ourselves passing from this life, we look forward to thinking about the resurrection, right? Well, here's a group of people who were teaching in such a way to say that the resurrection has already passed. The resurrection is, is over. Or maybe they were teaching it was a spiritual. I don't know exactly what they were teaching, but they were saying that there's really no resurrection of the dead. And listen to what, the, the, what happened the result of that teaching it says that they overthrow the faith of some they they destroy the faith of certain people there were people who philetus Herminius, they're, they're teaching these things and people maybe they even knew they didn't even think it was true but they said I'll give it a listen I'll I'll try to figure out what this is all about and before it was over it had captivated them right it wants to have them. It desires, just like, just like Paul said to Peter, Satan has desired to have you. Not to just influence you every now and then, but completely captivate you in such a way that he can sift you as wheat. And here are people that, that, that gave in. They didn't, they didn't shun the ungodly message that these men were preaching, that the resurrection was already passed, but they, they listened to it and it says it destroyed the faith of those individuals you know a warning to us is is people's faith can be destroyed right you think about uh, I don't I don't uh, abusive pastors how many how many ministers have ruined the faith of people or um, atheistic uh, professors your peers uh, you know your friend group don't think that those people don't have an influence on you right they do and if the, mo- if, if the message that's being presented uh, from the, the pulpit of the church or from the lectern of the, uh, of the college classroom or, or whatever it may be, if it is not something that, uh, that accords with the Word of God, we don't, have, we, should, we don't have time for that, do we? That's what Paul is saying. Because it overthrew the faith, it destroyed the faith of those people. My my heart, I know men and women whose faith has been destroyed by influences out of their control. And it it burdens you, doesn't it? But I want to finish this, 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 this message with what I believe is a hopeful message. You know, many people would look at those, the some there, the certain people whose faith was destroyed by these false teachers, And and seriously, a lot of people would say today in 2022 in Christian churches in America, they would say, that just proves to you that this group of people there, they really never believed. Or they may say, maybe they did believe, but they've fallen from grace. They're no longer saved. You know, they were false professors or, you know, a lot of reasons they, they they could say about these, having no hope for those whose faith has been overthrown it's a terrible thing when someone's faith is destroyed but I want this is what I want to is what I want y'all to know even if their faith is overthrown that doesn't stop God from loving them does it you ever had maybe you've had a a child or a loved one who's deserted the faith that they once held dear (laughs) I love that we have a God that doesn't desert them don't (laughs) y'all Listen to what Paul says. He says he's overthrown the faith of some. Nevertheless, notwithstanding what they've done, he says the foundation of God stands sure. (laughs) I love the comforting message that Paul gives here. He says even if their faith has been destroyed by the heretical messages of these false teachers, it's almost like he's saying, but don't worry about that, Timothy. And he knew we'd be reading this today in 2022. Did y'all know that? He says, don't, that's, that's not good. And we want to we rescue them from the false notions that they've bought into and from their faith that's been destroyed. But even if their faith is now lacking, he says, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. Listen listen to the seal that is on the foundation of God. And by the way, the foundation of God is strong and stands forever, right? And this is the seal that is upon it. The Lord knows them that are His. I love that. The Lord knows those that He chose. The Lord knows them that He loved. The Lord knows and cares for and loves all of them no matter what they do, no matter how they act, no matter what they think, no matter where they may stray, the Lord still knows them and loves them. Don't you love that? That gives hope to a sinner like me. That the Lord still knows me and loves me and cares for me. And he says, the Lord knows them that are His. You know, Paul asked the, the rhetorical question, or he asked the question in, in Romans chapter 3, for what if some did not believe? Should that make the faith of God without effect? And he answers, God forbid. <laughs> Let God be true, and, and every man a liar. Just in verse, in, in verse uh, 13 alone, he had said that if we believe not, yet He abides faithfully, cannot deny Himself. And I'm constantly amazed by my unfaithfulness to the God that I say that I love, but I'm so comforted that he does not become unfaithful to me. He says, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure having this seal. The Lord knows them that are his. And I'm going to tell you, I'm looking forward to the day one day because there are people in this life, and I've got my faults And there's people that have this fault that I don't think I have that go around judging people. (laughs) You know, there's people that will condemn people. They're they're not really a child of God. There's no way this person really knew the Lord. I'm looking forward to the day when we all wake up in heaven and they are shocked. (laughs) They are shocked by the group of misfits that are around the throne casting their crowns at the feet of their Savior. Aren't y'all looking forward to that day? When those that never had it together, <laughs> when those that couldn't persevere wake up in glory with those that think they have it all together. Because <laughs> guess right, the self-righteousness is, is, is just as bad a sin as those that didn't make it through in the church. You know that? <laughs> and they're going to wake up one day, we're all going to be in heaven, and I, and I doubt that will really happen, but I'd like to see the shock on their face when Josh Coker walks in. <laughs> And I say, y'all didn't think I could make it, did you? (laughs) But I made it by the grace of my Savior. Remember, Brother Michael Goins, the four things. The last thing was the priority of holiness. And listen to what Paul says. He says, we're not not to be going around trying to determine, this one's a child of God, this one's not, or these people don't believe anymore, they've drifted astray, there's no way they could really be going to heaven. We don't need to worry about all that because God knows those that are his. He says, let everyone that names the name of Christ, let those that have been baptized in the waters of baptism made a public profession that they want to live their life to the glory of God. Here's what they need to do. Let them depart. Let them flee from or depart from iniquity. (laughs) That's the priority of holiness, right? Our Our job is, number one, not to go around trying to determine who's saved. And our job is not to go around trying to save people. God's got both of those handled. (laughs) Our job is to depart from iniquity. That unrighteousness that starts in our heart and that leads to actions and how we live. Paul says the job of the church of God and the disciples of Christ is to depart and to flee from that that heart of iniquity. That's a full-time job, isn't it? Hey, brother. Yeah. It's a full-time job putting up with twins, too, I tell you. (laughs) Imagine having to depart from iniquity. That doesn't bother us at all, does it? It doesn't bother me at all. Brother Guy Hunt and... I can't remember if I read this or heard him say it. Um, He said, people are always looking for something to do in the church, right? I need something to do, something to do, something to do. And usually by that, when you start hearing somebody fuss about the old Baptist church doesn't have enough to do, um, it usually means they want to change the church and do something that we shouldn't do. That's what it usually, I'm not saying it always means that. Um, But Brother Guy said he had some come to him that said, we need something to do. Maybe they meant we need to start a softball team. (laughs) Maybe we need to have a men's um, conference. or I don't know what it may have been. And um, There's nothing wrong with playing softball together, having a good time together as a church. Uh, But when that becomes an official part of the church, the church has drifted from its the church has drifted away from what it was here to do, which is give glory to God. And he said he responded with um, James chapter 1 and verse 27. They said, we want something to do. And he said this, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows and their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And Brother Guy said he, he told him, when y'all... When y'all have got all that handled, we'll give you something else to do. <laughs> Isn't departing from iniquity a full-time job? When you, when you see the, the messages on the, the billboards or on your TV or on your radio or the podcast or whatever it may be, trying to captivate your heart, trying to infect your life with iniquity, it's a full-time job to keep yourself unspotted from the world. We need God's help, don't we? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day thank you for for the for the the conviction of the bible that convicts us and shows us how we should live and what we should do the things that we should dig into and the things that we should avoid but thank you for the comfort of the bible as well that 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 shows us your grace the preeminence of your grace the the the, the victory that we have through your grace that even if we don't have it together, our loved ones don't have it together, we drift, we fall. Even if, if our faith is destroyed, that you're such a loving and graceful God that you will not leave us. You will not forsake us. Lord, it's so comforting to know that you know those that are, that are yours. And then that on that great resurrection day, which has not passed, when, when, when you come back, all of yours will be Reunited together in a glorious homecoming where people of all nations, all kindreds, all tribes, all tongues, all races will be gathered together celebrating the victorious Savior. Thank you, God, for that comforting message. And help us to depart from the iniquity that abounds so much in our society. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Joshua, do you have a song? Thank you, Brother Taylor. Number 283. We're going to stand and sing number 283. And if you would like to unite with this church through baptism and begin to follow the Lord Jesus, you can come forward and let that request be known as we sing number 283.